Welcome to The Drive with Josh Downs, a faith-based coaching podcast where I'll share weekly thoughts, principles, insights, and more, all designed to help you build a better self, to better love yourself, so that you can better become all you were meant to be. Morning, everybody. Happy Monday. I'm Josh Downs, and you're listening to The Drive Podcast. Today's episode is episode 509, Lord Is It I. Now, as many of you know that have been listening to this podcast for a while, my whole intent in putting it together was to create something that was very focused on personal growth and development, but also faith-based, to kind of find a middle ground between the two. Because I've just noticed out there how there is this movement uh, that I really love towards personal growth and development, but that there's a tendency to kind of leave God out of the equation, which in my personal opinion is a huge mistake, is he is the one that has created us, that knows us best, and has the power to help us to become all that we're capable of becoming. So to not include him in that process, in the equation, I think we are missing the majority of the power that we could have to grow and develop personally. And and so in each episode, I've tried to incorporate elements of both personal growth and development, and also faith. And so every week in choosing a topic, I would try to find something that would be very accommodating of both. And in choosing a topic, I'd also try to choose something that really, really stood out to me, really kind of spoke to my heart, that I really felt impressed to put an episode together on and to share. A lot of times I would look through several different potential topics, and for whatever reason, one would always stand out. And that was the case for this week uh, again. And I think a lot of it came uh, as a result of some of the things that I'm experiencing personally and thoughts that I've had about myself. But my hope is that in putting this episode together today, that as always, it will be very helpful to you and maybe speak to you in whatever situations or circumstances that you might find yourself in. As I was looking at all the different topics and suggestions that I've kind of collected and that I kind of research and come across The one that stood out to me was this phrase, Lord is it I, from Matthew chapter 26, verses 21 through 22, where the Lord is having what is referred to as the Last Supper with his apostles, in which during this dinner, the Lord informs them that there is one there that will be betraying him. And it records, Matthew records, as they did eat, he said, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And when I saw that statement, in fact, I had a friend send me a a talk titled that I'm going to use some things from, uh, from Dieter F. Uchtdorf titled, Lord, is it I? When I saw that, I, I knew immediately what I wanted my podcast episode this week to be on. And it was that. I love that answer. And I need... A reminder of everything that is encapsulated in that answer, especially I think at this point in my life. Um, the apostles hit it right on the head. And what I love most about it is that instead of pointing fingers at each other, which they easily could have done, like, hey, John, it's got to be you. I, no, Peter, I, it's it's you for sure. Or Matthew, it's it's got to be you. <laughs> they, they instead pointed the finger at themselves. They started to take a look on the inside instead of the outside. Dieter F. Uchtdorf said, In these simple words, Lord is it I, lies the beginning of wisdom and the pathway to personal conversion and lasting change. And I love that statement. 
I shared once before a statement from Aristotle when he said, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And I really have come to believe that through my own life's experiences, that the greatest journey that a person can take is the journey of self-discovery, understanding who they are and why they do what they do and all the things that are comprised of them as a person uh, is the journey of a lifetime. There is so much to us. Another philosopher, Lao Tzu, said, knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is a strength. Mastering yourself is true power. And that, I think, is really what we are all after. I firmly believe that the better we come to know ourselves and the more that we come to understand who we are, to see what is good in us and also what is bad in us, the better we are able to become. And the more we are able to create the kind of life that we want. And I'm really starting to come to see that in order to build a better world outside of us, it begins by building a better world inside of us. In uh, his talk, Lord Is It I, Dieter F. Uchtdorf tells a, a parable uh, that he calls the parable of the dandelions, which I really love because I think it really speaks to the heart of what tendencies lie in all of us, what really tends to be human nature. He said, once there was a man who enjoyed taking evening walks around his neighborhood. He particularly looked forward to walking past his neighbor's house. This neighbor kept his lawn perfectly manicured, flowers always in bloom, the trees healthy and shady. It was obvious that the neighbor made every effort to have a beautiful lawn. But one day, as the man was walking past his neighbor's house, he noticed in the middle of this beautiful lawn a single ginormous yellow dandelion weed. <laughs> it looked so out of place that it surprised him. Why didn't his neighbor pull it out? Couldn't he see it? Didn't he know that the dandelion could cast seeds that could give root to dozens of additional weeds? This solitary dandelion bothered him beyond description, and he wanted to do something about it. Should he just pluck it out or spray it with weed killer? Perhaps if he went under cover of night, he could remove it secretly. These thoughts totally occupied his mind as he walked toward his own home. He entered his house without even glancing at his own front yard, which was blanketed with hundreds of yellow dandelions. <laughs> Doesn't that story just really speak to the, the truth of human nature, how easy it is to see the flaws in others and miss the flaws in ourselves. You might remember the Savior's counsel that fits this parable perfectly when he said, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? First cast out the beam, or pluck the dandelions out of your own lawn and thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote or the dandelion out of thy brother's eye. And I think this principle is so needed in the world today and it's so applicable to each and every one of us. I, I really believe that if we all stop for a moment and think about the people that we have been trying to change or the people that we wish would change or the circumstances or situations or relationships that we've been in where we have been so quick to point the fingers at others, we will see that we are very much like the man in the parable of the dandelion, noticing flaws in others without really taking the time to consider the flaws in ourselves. And if knowing ourself is the beginning of wisdom, that is where we need to start with that question, Lord, is it I? President Uchtdorf in his talk also referenced a story that happened several years ago that kind of illustrates the lack sometimes 
of ability that we have to look at ourselves and to understand ourselves and its relation to our success in life. He said some years ago, there was a news story uh, about a man who believed that if he rubbed lemon juice on his face, (laughs) it would make him invisible to cameras. I'm sure he got that off of TikTok or something. So he put lemon juice, uh, supposedly all over his face, went out and then robbed two banks. (laughs) Not much later, he was arrested when his image was broadcast over the evening news. When police showed the man the videos of himself from the security cameras, He couldn't believe his eyes. But I had lemon juice on my face, he protested. When a scientist at Cornell University heard about the story, he was intrigued that a man could be so painfully unaware of his own incompetence. (laughs) To determine whether this was a general problem, two researchers invited college students to participate in a series of tests on various life skills and then asked them to rate how they did. The students, ironically, who performed poorly were the least accurate at also evaluating their own performance, some of them estimating their scores to be five times higher than what they actually were. That's pretty interesting to me. He said the study has been replicated in numerous ways, confirming over and over again the same conclusion that many of us have a difficult time seeing ourselves as we truly are, and even successful people overestimate their own contribution and underestimate the contributions that others make. Boy, when I read all of that, again, I myself was pointed to that statement, Lord, is it I? What do I need to do to improve as a person? How can I become better? We all think that we know ourselves, but yet there is so much to learn about ourselves that we could, again, easily spend a lifetime learning about who we are. So many of us are different, unfortunately, in front of other people that it's almost as like we are wearing a mask depending on who we're interacting with and based on how we want to be perceived in that particular situation. And I know that you know what I'm talking about because we all do it. And we can feel when we do it because we can at the very least tell that we do not feel like ourselves or feel free to be ourselves. But if you and I truly want to live the life that we want to live, the life of our dreams, I know and believe that it starts by knowing ourselves so that we can better be ourselves. So I want to give each of us a challenge today, and that is to start by looking in the mirror and asking yourself who you really are. If you cannot be true to yourself, you cannot be true to anyone else. We all can start being more authentic and more genuine and more real. Now, this will take time, and it's like building muscle. But the more you practice it, the better you get. Self-knowledge really is the first and the main ingredient to building and leading the life that you want. In her book, Insight, Why We Are Not As Self-Aware As We Think and How Seeing Ourselves Clearly Helps Us Succeed at Work and in Life, Tasha Urich argues that people who know themselves share common traits. She says there is strong scientific evidence that people who know themselves and how others see them are happier. They make smarter decisions. They have better personal and professional relationships. They raise more mature children. They're smarter, superior students who choose better careers. They're more creative, more confident, and better communicators. Knowing yourself lets you live the life you truly want. You know who you are. You know what you want and what brings out the best in you. And so you go about doing just that. 
If you don't have a full understanding of who you are, you will continue to make decisions against who you are, against your true self. Growth in life and in your family and in your career starts with self-knowledge. I think this is one of the reasons why Christ spoke so harshly to the Pharisees and Sadducees. He blasted them all the time because they were hypocrites. They hid who they were behind their position and behind their religion instead of being authentic and genuine and vulnerable so that God could take them and help them to become better. When you stop and think of it, how can God really work with any of us unless we first are vulnerable with him and allow who we truly are to be placed in his hands? Many of us are busy understanding everyone else and what they've done to achieve wisdom, but few of us really bother to understand our own minds and how we work and how we think and why we do what we do. The most transformational tool that we have at our disposal to make real and lasting change in our life is self-awareness. By becoming more aware of ourselves, of our thinking, of our beliefs, of our behaviors, it can help us to see those things that aren't really serving us best in life so that we can build a better life. Developing the capacity and the the ability uh, to achieve self-awareness helps us to also recognize that our problems are not as external as what we may think they are. That it's not always other people, or it's not that organization that I work for, or it's not my neighbors or my spouse or my kids or countless other things. Now, for sure, we live in a very imperfect world, and we are hurt by others, and others can cause problems for us. But really, the only thing that we can control in the end, despite all that, is ourselves and our own thinking and our reactions to whatever it is that we're experiencing from others or any particular situation. And this is really where our power lies. When we heal and change ourselves, we can heal and change the world. It works from the inside out, not the outside in. If you look at the situations in your life that aren't working the way that you'd like, I would suggest to perhaps ask yourself the following questions. Number one, what are my constant thoughts about this particular situation? And I love this one because our thoughts shape our reality. And if we continue to think the same thoughts, we will end up with the same reality. Our thoughts are really the basic building blocks of our lives. Question two is what are the situations and scenarios that I am triggered by? What is the feeling and the thought loop behind the trigger? Can we see it? We really have the opportunity to be an explorer in these different situations and circumstances and to try to identify and to see and discover the kinds of things that are causing feelings of hurt or pain or anger to discover what's at the root of those and maybe change some of the things that can continue to bring those things about. Third question is, what are you noticing that needs to be healed in the process? Many of us, including myself, are walking around with repressed emotions, emotions such as anger or shame or poor self-worth or resentment and other similar types of feelings that often manifest themselves in our behaviors and in behaviors that hurt other people and hurt our relationships with both ourselves and others. And this happens and it happens all the time because it's our personal pain and and our insecurities with who we are that get projected onto others. Boy, I'm telling you, if we could just learn to take the journey inward to discover the sources of our pain and hurt, so much pain and hurt would be healed on the outside of us in others as well. This process, again, is is lifelong, and we may never fully get fixed, but 
we do move towards greater acceptance, towards greater love and joy and peace in the process. But in the end, the choice of our, is ours. It always has been, always will be. And as always, it's certainly easier to notice all of this in others, to see how others love to play the victim, to see how others love being unhappy, or how it's others' story that maybe they're not aware of that continues to get played over and over in their minds. They almost become addicted to it. Yet, what little stories do you have playing over and over in your mind that you can very easily become addicted to that are impacting your life in a negative way? Can you see those? Maybe it's time to identify them, to bring light to them, and to learn to let them go. It really does little good to point the finger at others, doesn't it? We can't control others. We can only control ourselves. And while we can help others, we can help them best by first helping ourselves. Harold B. Lee once said that you cannot lift another soul until you are standing on higher ground than he is, and that you cannot light a fire in another soul unless it is burning in your own soul. We can help others better by building a better self. And it starts by asking ourselves in each and every situation that question, Lord, is it I? What is my part in this? Going through my divorce, it was so easy, as it typically is in every divorce, to point the finger at the ex-spouse, right? But I didn't grow as a person from that in any way. I still did it because it was easiest. <laughs> it was easier to do than pointing the finger inward. But once I learned to point the finger at myself and basically ask, Lord, is it I? Or what was my part in this? What could I have done better? What could I have done differently? What flaws are in me that need to be worked out? It wasn't until I started to ask those questions that change and growth and even healing really started to happen. And I know if you look closely in your life, you'll be able to see multiple situations and circumstances where this principle is at play and needs to be addressed and can be addressed in a good and a healthy way. I even remember in looking back, seeing it in my girls at a very young age, when playing basketball, they often focused on the bad calls and terrible refs first whenever they lost the game. That was always the conversation when we would get back out into our car, saying things like, boy, dad, weren't those refs terrible? <laughs> did, you, did you see that call, dad, when this happened or that happened? Now, from personal experience, I knew that very little good would ever come from having discussions such as that about the refs. Having been a professional referee complainer myself back when I was playing basketball. So I remember I would always quickly try to shift their thinking from, Lord, it was him, <laughs> the referee, to Lord, is it I? Was it I? What could I have done differently? How could I have played better? And it was always so fun to see a shift in their feelings that came from this shift in their thinking. I would watch as the anger and resentment were almost instantly dissipated, where the victim mentality was squashed and self-reflection began as they evaluated what they could have done to play better and possibly win the game instead of focusing on what anyone else did. President Uchtdorf also taught that none of us likes to admit when we're drifting off the right course. No, we don't. <laughs> Often we try to avoid looking deeply into our souls and confronting our weaknesses, our limitations and fears. And consequently, when we do examine our lives, we look through the filter of biases, excuses and stories that we tell ourselves in order to justify unworthy thoughts and actions or problems that we have. 
But being able to see ourselves clearly is essential, he says, to our spiritual growth and well-being, and certainly our mental growth and well-being. He says, if our weaknesses and shortcomings remain obscured in the shadows, then the redeeming power of the Savior cannot heal them and make them strengths. Ironically, our blindness towards our human weaknesses will also make us blind to the divine potential that our Heavenly Father yearns to nurture within each of us. And I think there's a correlation that he's referencing there at the end, that the more that we come to understand ourselves and to see not just the good, but also the bad, the more that we're able to have access to God's help and to his power to be able to change those things. And in so doing, we come to see our own personal worth a little bit better as well in the process. And how many of us couldn't stand to feel a little bit better about ourselves? Now, to end with, I would just simply encourage you to put this saying somewhere, Lord, is it I? Put it somewhere where you can see it. Put it on your phone or on your bathroom mirror or anywhere else where you can see and have the reminder. Who knows how the story might have been a little different had Judas really asked himself that question and allowed that question to sink in, Lord, is it I? And in so doing, reflect on his own weaknesses and maybe change what he was about to do. That's the purpose of that question, is it helps us not only evaluate ourselves, but it helps us to walk a better path. Let's remember that for each finger that we point at others, there are at least three more pointing back at us. Well, thanks for listening today, everybody. I really think this is going to be a great thing for us to focus on this week in every situation that we come across. I know that there are going to be arguments that you're going to have. There's going to be things that others will do that will make you frustrated. I know that each of us will find ourselves in circumstances that we don't want to be in or that are less, less ideal than what we wanted. And instead of pointing the finger outward, let's all take a look inward this week by asking the question, Lord, is it I? And then maybe let's watch a little bit as those negative feelings, which typically are projected outwards on those people or their situations or circumstances, are changed to feelings of empowerment inwardly. Now, just a couple quick things before we close today. I have a great study and teaching guide on this topic to better help you and your children learn how to overcome the victim mentality, which is so needed in the world today. So make sure you pick that up on my website. And if you haven't picked up my book, my audio book, Gratitude Comes First, make sure you grab that as well. You're going to love both of those. And then one last thing for all of my listeners out there, I want you to know that I've recently also come out with a new podcast, one that I am super excited about. It is called Come Follow Me for Teens and for Parents of Teens. And it is based on the Come Follow Me curriculum that is put out by my faith each and every year. For those that aren't members of my faith, it's based on the New Testament, the study of the New Testament this year. And the whole purpose and premise of this podcast and of the Come Follow Me curriculum is to help individuals better connect with Christ. And in connecting with Christ, really better connect with themselves, ironically, as we've been talking about today. And the focus of this podcast, again, is all about helping teens to achieve that themselves. And so to help accomplish that, and what will help this podcast be a little unique, is that I'm going to try to keep it relatively short, because I know <laughs> attention the attention spans of, of teenagers are, are typically not very long. Also, um, instead of covering everything, we're going to focus a little bit more on how to help them discover things for themselves. But I will also focus on one key principle 
that I'll be able to take all the way through personal application to help these young people know how to best apply uh, this particular principle in their life and in situations that they may be in, as well as including several discussion questions and application activities that they can use and that you can use as parents to help these principles that are studied each week sink into a greater depth into these teenagers' hearts. These kinds of principles and this connection with Christ is so needed today by our youth and by our young people. I firmly believe that the struggle that they're having with self-worth can be largely remedied through this connection with God because I believe that the best way for them to discover their value is to also discover the price that was paid for them. And so if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, again, look up Come Follow Me for Teens just about anywhere where you can find podcasts. Subscribe to it, and I hope that you'll find it a helpful resource to both your teens and to you as parents. And of course, one of the first steps that we can all take is to simply ask ourselves, Lord, is it I? Have a great week, everyone. Until next time, I'm Josh Downs, and you've been listening to The Drive.